was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. The droids are clean, the vaporizers are patched, and the speeders fueled. It's time to pick up some blue milk and power converters. You're listening to Toshi Station Radio, brought to you by the Majestic Giraffe Network. Now here are your hosts for the Snarkist Podcast in Star Wars and Geek Culture, Brian and Nancy. Skirts of Anchorhead and on the shores of the Great Shot Flats, you're listening to Tashi Station Radio, the bright center in the universe for all things Star Wars and geek culture. I'm your host, Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host and wife, Nancy. Hello. On today's episode, we're talking from a certain point of view with Tom from Delray, so sit back, grab some power converters, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Hello, everyone. Nice to be back here. I think last time you were on to talk about from a certain point of view, so we're coming full circle. Yeah, the last time I had to be like all extra cryptic about everything, which <laughs> yeah. was agonizing and awful. So this is going to be even better. <laughs> now we can be significantly less cryptic. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Before we go too much further, Tashi Station Radio is brought to you in part by you, our awesome Patreon subscribers. Uh, click the link at Tashi-Station.net or head to Patreon.com slash Tashi Station to uh, see how you can support the show. And just a reminder, $1 now is uh, the tier to get into the uh, patreon exclusive slack team Woohoo! hooray okay fixers flash fixers flash nancy <laughs> um i have finished six of crows and immediately bought the second book crooked kingdom <laughs> so that will tell you how much i liked six of crows it's a really good book um it's full of horrible assholes being snarky and getting into trouble if that's your jam and um i'm really excited to talk about it on the book club next week and um i'm gonna try to finish crooked kingdom by then but i doubt i'll be able to but it's really good um so you should go read them because they were very good um also been writing and preparing for next Wednesday, which is the start of National Novel Writing Month, a.k.a. I will get very little sleep. Uh, and that's about it for me. We did some things together. Uh, yeah, we were at uh, Cloak and Blaster, one of our favorite geeky hangouts, uh, to enjoy geeky-themed food, beer, and board games. Uh, what were the two we played? We played Slash. <laughs> which is great. Which Slash, is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, Slash is exactly what it sounds like. And uh, Super Fight, which came recommended to us by Chuck Wendig. And that was very fun. So, yeah, those are two games where if you have the right people, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of arguing involved. A lot of, you know, yelling at each other. So that's always fun. Um, and... Anything else you've been up to, Brian? Not a whole lot. <laughs> video games? <laughs> yeah, video games mostly. <laughs> Tom, what have you been up to? Um, so we just, we finished off Canobite, the next novel or collection of novellas, but I think of it as a novel because it's a full size novel, uh, which is coming in December and that's off to the printer. Hooray! Which is always a cool, awesome thing to celebrate when it's off to the printer because it's no longer in our hands. Um <laughs> Uh, next week, I'm going to BlizzCon for the first time uh, because I'm working on uh, our Blizzard novels. So I'm I get so to go hang jealous. out. Jealous! I always I, wanted to go there. <laughs> I know. I'm really looking forward to it. I'd always wanted to go to the show 
um, in general. Um, so getting to go next week is going to be fun. I get to hang out with uh, everyone's favorite friend, uh, Christy Golden, um, which is always a great time. Uh, so that should be cool. And I've been playing a lot of Knights of Republic on Xbox One because it uh, they were able to launch their first set of backward compatible original Xbox titles. And Knights of Republic is one of the first ones. And uh, just so happens that uh, Sergeant Sugar, my girlfriend, has never played it before. So we're playing it together <laughs> and um, I'm letting her make all the good and fun decisions while I just sort of move the joysticks around and deal with like the fiddly bits of managing nonsense inventory items. Um, that sounds and it is, super fun. Yeah, it's fun um, to experience a game that I played, you know, I've probably played through that game five or six full times and then a bunch of other like kind of half first or partial playthroughs. Mm -hmm. So getting to play it with someone who never experienced that game before is a lot of fun. Um, Brian, that's what you should do for Mass Effect for me. You know, I would actually love to do that. Like play the game for me, but let me do all the stuff that I, I actually I like doing. <laughs> I would totally be down doing that. That, that sounds like a great idea. It'd be fun. And yeah, um, I think it was Jay or someone on Twitter. I think it was Jay who sort of mentioned that the it sounded almost like I was GMing the game for her, which is, I guess, actually like a pretty kind of apt way to put it. Um, because she's even making all the choices as to like what the inventory loadouts for the characters are and what skills and abilities they have. So ostensibly other other than pressing the button to like actually attack characters or pressing the button to confirm like the conversation choice she is actually making every choice about the game um mm. That's and cool. yeah it's actually kind of a fun way for us to interact play the game together even though it's more or less a single player experience um highly recommend it cool and I'm I'm chronicling some of her decision making and her impressions of the game uh, <laughs> as we play, um, especially for people who have played it a lot. And I don't think have probably not since the game came out like 14 years ago, I think almost 15 years ago now, uh, you know, not thought about the game like in that way, because it's just become part of your your basic Star Wars experience. Having yeah. played through it and like uh, when i played it i knew the uh the, the i knew the thing uh so i i'm excited to see like someone's playing through it who doesn't know the story so that should be that should be cool uh yeah um now i really wish i still had my original uh xbox knights of the old republic <laughs> discs i have no idea what happened to them I mean, it's only a $10. I mean, it's probably like the 30th time you've bought it, but it's only a $10 investment. So it's not that bad if you have to buy it digitally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've already I already own this on like three different digital platforms. So why not make it four? Yes. And I have to say it looks really good. Um, Did it upscale the, well? So it's like, I mean, apparently I haven't delved into the tech too much. So I'm sure somebody on the internet will tell me that I'm like wrong about this. But from the basics that I read is it's not actually like it's more or less a native up to 1020 or 1080. Uh, it's not really like just like upscaling the image in weird ways. Oh, um, wow. So um, it's really cool. My, you know, it took me uh, messing around with my television a little bit to get the aspect ratio just to appear right without accidentally cutting off some of the like uh the dialogue choices or whatever and that's just because a game that old is just not necessarily going to work too well on a on a new uh 
uh, TV, but it, it looks really great. Um, the models definitely look uh, better, but, you know, it's not like suddenly a cutting edge graphical game, but everything is a lot less fuzzy uh, than it uh, than it looks like if you play it on PC right now. It looks slightly fu- less fuzzy and all of the like portraits and images are just crisper. So, yeah, it just looks sharper, which is really all you want. And it runs beautifully and the load times are like minuscule. You know what's going to happen, Tom, is I'm waiting to get an Xbox One X, and the first thing uh-huh. I'm going to play with it is going to be Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> that sounds like the perfect use of your most cutting-edge, most powerful console <laughs> ever. Cutting-edge 4K powerhouse will play uh, Knights of that. the Old Republic. Support it. Support it. <laughs> God. Oh, dear. Okay, moving on. Nancy, what do we have new on the blog? Uh, not a whole lot this week. We have a review for In the Name of the Rebellion, the last episode of Rebels, and we've got some, uh, comic reviews up, I think, from this week from Bria, or maybe not, but, um, so go check that out. Um, I, I, I just want to note for the record that next week, Brian was supposed to review the occupation and I was supposed to review the flight of the defender and i changed it so he could get review the one about the defender thank you (laughs) i I also want to know that last year i let him review the antilles extraction instead of me (laughs) i i I appreciate it i i very much appreciate it thank you you're welcome (laughs) that's about it for the What's new on the block? Yep, so that's Deke's Dirt time, and we start with a new trailer for Battlefront that teased a lot of things. The thing that caught my attention most was uh, Leia on Naboo. Yeah. I really need this game to be out. I know. That's the one you should play on the Xbox One. <laughs> Tom, Tom, do you have that one pre-ordered? Uh, I do. Uh, I was playing the beta a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago, despite New York Comic Con's efforts to uh, get you. in my way. <laughs> Uh, yes, to thwart me, um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm I'm ready to go. Yeah, uh, I, I did not get to play the uh, beta. Not only did I had I not pre-ordered it in time, uh, we were just gone all of that weekend, so I I couldn't get my hands on it. So I'll be going into that one fresh when it releases. Yeah, that's one of the ones I want to play with you or just watch you play because just for the story part. Um, In a bit of a bummer news, Electronic Arts shut down Visceral Games and the Star Wars title that they were working on is being retooled and reworked uh, at a couple different studios now. So that's that's a bummer. Yeah. Was it a single player game? Yeah, it was a single player game. Mm. Yeah. um, I don't really know much about the whole gaming situation, but... So I think other people are more qualified to talk about this than I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I was looking forward to it. I know a number of people were. Um, we hadn't heard anything on it for a while, but uh, hopefully it uh, hopefully the game lands on its feet. And more importantly, hopefully the uh, folks who are working at Visceral uh, can land on their feet in some other studios soon. Yeah. Um, and then in a bit of The Last Jedi adjacent news... Um, it was announced that the character DJ, played by Benicio del Toro, is going to get a uh, some backstory uh, shelled out in a comic. Um, I think it's just a single issue, uh, and that'll be out in December uh, after the Last Jedi. So um, I, I, for one, am shocked that characters from the movies are going to get fleshed out in comics. 
Yes. That was me being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But so- yeah, we like know nothing about him. Like, I we were like, and we don't even know what his real name is. So I'm excited to learn more about him and see him in the movie, which we actually saw a little bit of in the next bitch. Yeah, which brings us uh, over to Big's bullshit uh, film news out there. And uh, surprise, yesterday a behind-the-scenes video dropped. Yeah. Um, So there was an article in USA Today, and there was a new picture of Luke with um, the, the Jedi books. Um, which was very exciting. Um, and then there was also a behind the scenes video, which was really, really exciting. Um, and I would just like to note, like, for the record, that compared to last time a saga film was out and there were no pictures of Luke, uh, I'm liking this build up to the movie a lot more. <laughs> Because we actually get pictures and him in the trailer. Um, so that's nice. But um, I'm so happy for you. Thanks. But yeah, the behind the scenes, uh, the thing was really good. It focused a lot on the Millennium Falcon set. And um, there was a shot of Poe in the Millennium Falcon, which I'm very excited about. Um, we got to see more of Finn and Rose undercover, and there was a third person with them, which I didn't recognize at first, and then someone pointed out that it was Benicio del Toro, so apparently he goes undercover with them too, which I am still trying to figure out how all of these plots go together. And Meanwhile, Tom just <laughs> nodding and smiling at us. <laughs> Actually, not nodding, just... But I am smiling. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm really trying not to try to figure things out too much because I know I'm going to be wrong. So I just want to, you know, watch the movie and not be like, oh, this is when that's happening or, or this scene must happen before this or because I'm really just I, I really have no, no idea of when things are supposed to happen in this movie. And hopefully it'll stay that way. uh how much longer do we have to go too long (sighs) too long uh, too long that's i mean in a way it's good that nano is in november because i'll be really busy up until december and then i'll have candle bite to read and then the movie will come out there you go perfect you're just it's a perfect runway and like thanksgiving's in there to like eat up a couple days like We're practically there. We're practically <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we'll just keep telling ourselves it's a home it's, stretch. It's, it's basically. It's <laughs> I know. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, but go check out that behind the scenes video if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, but hey, let, why don't we get to what we're actually here for today? Cammy's concerns. And this week, we're obviously talking about from a certain point of view. Yeah. So um, we had Tom on, I think it was right after the project was announced. Um, to talk a little bit about it. And, um, but I guess just to go over again, either for people who didn't listen to the episode or if you can go into more detail now that the book is out, like how this project came about. Um, and like, was it one person's idea or was it a whole like bunch of collaboration that came about and, um, you know, how you picked authors for the project and all that sort of fun stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, like pretty much everything that we do, um, 
uh, all of the the best ideas that we have are a conglomeration of uh, the entire Delray team and the people that we work with at Lucasfilm. And they sort of just come about from all of us sharing like wild and crazy and sometimes not uh, entirely uh, feasible ideas, which eventually get like you know, pulverized into and shaped into something, you know, useful that works. Um, and so this idea kind of came about in that way. We were sitting around at one point and everyone is like, well, the 40th anniversary of Star Wars is coming up and it's going to be a big deal and it is a big deal and we totally should do something for it. And, um, you know, it kind of started in one of those ways where you just sort of start throwing out like, what are all the possibilities for what we could do? Oh, we could just release a special edition of the original novelization or do something with some new artwork or, you know, you just start tossing out basically like the most basic things and then brought you know, things you could do. And then we started to get more and more robust. And at some point, you know, we really decided we really ultimately wanted to celebrate the original film. That was the sort of point of celebrating 40 years of star Wars, celebrate that original movie and the original story. And, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't want to just like, retell it with like have one person do it because you know dpw did those great um uh you know those three great books a couple of years ago where alex bracken wrote the the princess the founder boy and the scoundrel which is essentially mm-hmm. that it's just you know it's the retelling of of a new hope and and playing around with the povs and adding some extra so we didn't want to do that again and we were sitting there and like well it's 40 years we should really do four we should just break the movie up into 40 short stories <laughs> and then someone was like Man, and like, what if we just got 40 authors to do it? And it was, I don't want to say it was a joke because usually when when it's not entirely a joke, but then we all thought about it and we were like, that's a really great idea. We shouldn't do that because that's really hard and (laughs) it's probably really dumb. It's probably not going to work. Like that was our, all our first thoughts. Like that's way too hard and way too dumb. Don't do that. But it sounds cool. Like put it on paper, 40 years, 40 stories from a Star Wars from a certain point of view. That's also like when we had that line just kind of ready Star Wars from a certain point of view when we scoped that it would be all these different stories. And then the more we started talking about it, the more excited we all got. And we were making jokes about like, man, what if we had like a story from the the point of view of the Dianoga? Um, (laughs) And the more we talked about it, the more we all realized like this is this might end up being a train wreck, but we're just going to do it anyway. And who cares if it's too hard? Um, So that's where it started. And then it came from when we started to talk about who we wanted to contribute to it. We made a decision very early on that we didn't just want to hire 40 longtime Star Wars authors to write 40 stories. Because one of the things that we um, think about or thought about when we said, well, we're celebrating 40 years of Star Wars. So we're obviously celebrating 40 years of these indelible characters and this indelible, you know, setting full of these amazing stories and places and visuals and technology and all this stuff. So you're celebrating that when you celebrate, you know, 40 years of Star Wars. But when you're also celebrating the legacy of Star Wars, it's also the impact that star wars has had and so to celebrate that part of star wars's enduring legacy we wanted to bring people in to write stories who may have been influenced by star wars as so many people have but whose current careers or their their longtime careers have nothing to actually do with making star wars which is what led us to want to get people like griffin mcelroy um or gary d schmidt or any of a number of authors that perhaps you know, readers had never heard of or had never really written anything that was even really genre related. I mean, um, 
you know, asking Meg Cabot to write a story and getting Mallory Ortberg from, you know, the toast to get all of these people who we, we, we so cherish and love and appreciate their voices and the kinds of storytellers they are. And we knew from either talking to them or other ways that they were Star Wars fans. And we wanted to bring them then into the fold to help tell these stories along with, you know, all of these longtime and more recent Star Wars writers, you know, like JJM and Paul Kemp and Claudia Gray, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, to create this really nice, um, like broad view of the, the legacy of Star Wars. Um, and that's really how it all came together. And then it just came down to asking people if they wanted to do this project, like asking, do you want to write a story for this, this project? Do you want to write one of these characters? Um, and then getting people to choose characters and then getting them to actually write the stories and then, you know, getting the stories all in a shape to be published and, uh, and going from there. Um, so that's really how the, 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 the whole project came together. Um, and we dubbed it Operation Blue Milk because it sounded really, really dumb, but it sounded exactly <laughs> like code name something like this. Um, uh, and also I thought it made a funny hashtag. Um, <laughs> so that that's really the genesis of the story. Um, is it kind of started out as a half joke and it just it, it was so funny and such a good joke that we decided it should probably be a real thing. Uh, it's like... Um... Laura Notzel and Race Squadron started, and uh, Lieutenant Ketch just started out as a joke that became real. <laughs> oh, that's fitting. Um, so one of the questions that people have been asking a lot is how were, you know, you kind of discussed like how the authors were chosen, but like how were the characters chosen and were there, you know, certain stories that you knew you guys wanted to be told in the book? Or And were there others that authors just kind of said, well, I want to write about this character? And then you just kind of went from there. Um, so the first thing we did was, um, before we had any authors or anything like that, is we kind of broke the, the, the movie down and said, what, you know, if we were just mapping out 40 stories, what would we choose? And that's when we had sort of established the rules that, like, we don't want any stories from the POV of like Luke or Vader or Leia or Han. Um, you know, we don't want any of the main characters to have POVs. And, and, you know, if you look at the final list of stories, like, you know, there's like an Obi-Wan story in there. So like, you know, we kind of at, at times that rule got bent, but, you know, we really kind of held to that. So we were like, it's all about the background characters, the side characters. Um, and later it also became about like people who aren't even in a new hope, but mm -hmm. we know are active and around. And, and so let's, you know, make, and where it made sense to kind of check in with them. And so we sort of mapped that on our heads because we, we just needed to get our heads around what the project might look like and you know, all that stuff. Once we started talking to authors, it really just came down to saying to the authors, what do you want to write? And they would say, this is when I run all right. And that was kind of basically it. And the only times that we ever made um, suggestions or guided them is if they picked a character that had already been picked. And we've said this several times, but like everyone wanted to write the mouse droid. Everyone <laughs> wanted to write a story about the mouse droid. And obviously you can't have 40 stories about a mouse. I mean, you could, but that's not what this project was. <laughs> so, the, you know, with some people we had to make. We would either make suggestions about like, well, you know, at the moment, we don't really have a whole lot of stories going on during like this 15 minute stretch of the movie. And while it wasn't a requirement that we wanted every moment of A New Hope to be covered in the book. And in fact, it's not. I mean, the the entire scene of uh, Luke and Obi-Wan and Han on the Millennium Falcon on their way to the Death Star, that is just not in the book anywhere. 
Um, and it's just because nobody picked a story that would have fit. Like nobody picked to write about, you know, the Dejeric characters or to write about R2 or something like sitting on the Millennium Falcon during that scene. Um, so, it, you know, we, we would kind of guide people there. Um, we did sort of when we we were thinking when we went to ask Kieran uh, Gillen if he would write for us, we were like, we had this thought, like, what if we put Afra? What if Afra was on Dantooine? Because that seems like a perfect place. It makes perfect sense with the movie. Like, do you want to write about Afra on Dantooine? Um, and we really wanted him to say yes. And he did. Um, <laughs> so but for everyone else and in, for the most part, really, uh, unless somebody asked for a suggestion, we we really it was all all them. They uh, they just pitched pretty much whatever they wanted. Um, and uh, pretty much everyone got to tell like exactly the story that they wanted and exactly the character that they wanted. Um, even though not every character that I thought would get picked got picked. I was sure that someone was going to pick Jet Porkins. I was just sure uh, we were going to have a Porkins. I am also stunned no one yeah. picked Porkins. Um, I was also sure that we were going to have a gonk droid story, just like the amount of like yeah. attention that the gonk droid gets. But we didn't. And I mean, it's not I don't feel, you know, I don't think that the, the we should have had them like I, I don't think anyone should have been forced to write those stories. That was just my impression going into it. Like, oh, I thought we were going to get one of these. Oh, well. Hmm. Um, um, so obvious, I guess, you know, the, the way the book is structured, it's structured chronologically, which makes sense. But there is some overlap with the stories. Um, so is it really just like trying to go as chronological as possible? Or were the, was there any sort of like, um, you know, looking at the stories and deciding this one would probably make a better impact before this story or anything, you know, those sorts of decisions? Yeah, I mean, you know, for a lot of them, lining them up was pretty easy, um, you know, and a lot of them slot into these very nice little little places, you know, just one right after the other. It's pretty simple. Um, but for some of them, like, you know, uh, in particular, some of the cantina stories, um, which a lot of this, you know, several of them overlap and like tell through the moment that Greedo gets shot. But mm -hmm. then you've also got some that actually go back pretty far, like they go actually go back in time, like a few minutes earlier than even the cantina seats, you know, scene starts. And so they technically overlap with, you know, a story from a few minutes before that. And then of course, um, a lot of the stories that cover the, the, the trench run and the death star battle with the X wing, the various pilots, like a lot of those overlap as well. Cause many of those are telling the story of the whole battle from the POV of whatever character we're in, whether it's, you know, the, um, spark story by Paul Kemp or it's, um, uh, the big story by Pierce Brown, like a lot of them, they just kind of tell that whole scene. So for those, it was just about, you know, some of them, it almost didn't matter what order they went in. So we just kind of put them in, in an order we thought was best. And a couple of, we were just like, eh, I guess it makes more sense to save this moment a little bit. Um, but yeah, the ones that overlapped, we kind of read through them several times. We kind of thought about them like, Oh, is there anything revealed in this story that is funny if you don't know it reading this one or vice versa, or is more or less impactful. And in a couple of places we made some like, you know, some, some little choices about rearranging a couple of the stories, but for the most part, they kind of aligned in a way that made a lot of sense. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of, um, wasn't a whole lot of that, but it definitely, there's definitely was going to be overlap and you know, we're, if you get lost, just keep using the movie as your guide. Yeah. Like we're, we weren't, <laughs> you know, we weren't trying to be super strict about like, Oh man, like 
this story and this story overlap by five seconds in the wrong direction. And this one needs to be first. Like, you know, ultimately that's not what the book was supposed to be about. Yeah. So you mentioned before that there were some characters that are in the anthology that aren't either aren't in the movie. Um, but we know they're around like Afra and Lando, and then there are some characters that are like completely new um, that, you know, you might see on screen, but we've never really knew like their identities before. Um, so was there any stories that like, you know, jump out at you as far as like new characters that you really, you know, that you really liked or just some of the interpretations of what other characters were doing at this time? Um. I mean, the the I mean, a character that that struck me um, when I first read the story and I'm fairly certain this character is dead. So I, I'm pretty sure you couldn't really tell more stories with this character. <laughs> Maybe you could is the unnamed stormtrooper who is the uh, the more or less the POV character of Elizabeth Ween's second person story. Oh, yeah. Um, this is the story that I mentioned on the podcast and much online that I actually like fell out of my chair at work, you know, stumbled out of my chair while reading because of just the, the way she wrote that story and the way that she, un she reveals the, the importance moments of that story. Um, that character, um, and because it was written in that way in second person, um, for sure. Um, uh, and uh, Gary D. Schmidt's story his just the story about Yoda and all of the wonderful details. Um, you know, when I was like when we heard like, oh, he's going to do Yoda story it made perfect sense. Like, of course, let's you know, we know Yoda's around Yoda's powerful in the force. We should totally he, he should feel some of these big moments in A New Hope. You know, even if he's not there, he should totally feel them. Um, but then when you read that story and before you even get into the scene with Obi-Wan or his reflections on, you know, uh, training and all of that, just the little details that Gary D. Schmidt put in about the, um, his, his cloak or Qui-Gon's cloak, you know, as his mm, blanket yeah. and the, the, his ruminations about his need for a, a walking stick now and you know what it used to mean to him. And just the idea that Yoda has like a summer and a winter home <laughs> and he get, like travels between them. Yeah. Like it, just these amazing details, just absolutely amazing details that, um, and just how, how lonely he makes Yoda feel at uh, seem mm. is just, it's just incredible. Uh, just incredible. Um, and then, Kieran's story about Afra as well, because, uh, you know, I, when we, when we, when that story came together and I was like, well, I, I kind of know what I'm going to get from this Afra story and it's going to be fun. She's going to be on Dantooine. The empire is going to show up. It's going to be, you know, super, it's going to be funny because she's going to be doing her thing on Dantooine and then some, suddenly the empire shows up and it's wrong place, wrong time. And it'll be a kind of comedy of errors thing and it'll be great. And but when you read that story, the way he weaves, you know, around a Afra's sort of macabre, both humor and interest in a, in a <laughs> weapon that can like an annihilate an entire planet. But the, the commentary that he allows Afra to have with that unnamed stormtrooper about like, you know, the the what it means to a survive in the galaxy, but also the sort of the the cost and the the, the like the 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 stakes of like having to kill one person versus killing a ton of people and the sort of anonymity of it. But the the responsibility of like being that person who actually like 
fired the laser on the Death Star. Like he gets to a, a sort of deeper emotional level with Afra that I I don't think you see coming with the way that story starts. Um, and I um, the he he I mean he just wrote such a brilliant story about Afra um, that mm-hmm. I was I was just so taken aback and surprised by how. Uh, the emotional depth that he got to with that story. Um, I mean, I shouldn't be because he's an amazing writer and he's uh, <laughs> really talented and everything, which is uh, frightening. Um, and I'm very jealous of it. Um, <laughs> but, but those in particular stood out to me. Um, and I think all the new characters, I, I was really um, struck by how everyone found a voice for these characters who, even if they are quote unquote new because they've never existed before, they found these very unique voices for them that, um, you immediately relate to them and want to hear more stories about them, even though you never knew they existed five pages before you turned the page and saw their name for the first time. Um, yeah. Everybody, every single one of the authors who wrote a story for this, like, they turned it up to 11. Like, you know, it's very easy. You very easily could have written some of these stories and like, you know, just kind of like walk through it and told a good story. But everyone was like, I don't want to just tell a cool, fun story. Like, I want to turn this up to 11 and put something in every one of these stories that no one's going to see coming or that no one's going to anticipate. Um, and it was awesome. It was just, it was great. Yeah. One of the new, uh, the characters that we don't really see is, um, the uh control tower operator in uh will wheaton story which was very very cruel (laughs) will just tore my heart out on that one yeah i think so brian and i first got a copy of the book and we were reading back and forth to each other um and that was one of the runs that we were reading and we just kind of like i think i got to where they say where he's like reading the letter or whatever and it's like you know you're we're sending you to alderaan and i just stopped and i went oh no <laughs> it's like how what this is terrible but it was such a good story it just tore your heart out and i was just like oh god i hope this shit didn't get there in time um and then the other one i really liked was um the lando story because I had never considered the whole, the angle, which, you know, that's the name of the story of Lando f- finding out that the Millennium Falcon was involved in the Death Star attack. And then you're like, well, of course he would find that out. And of course he would have thoughts about it. Um, so I, did, I really liked, I really liked that story. I mean, I knew Charles Soule was capable of writing a really good Lando, but wow, that one just yeah. blew me away. Yeah. Yes. Charles is another one of those like imminently talented in everything he does. <laughs> I mean, people. I mean, like I'm I'm literally looking at the table of contents right now and I just like I'm like want to call out all of the stories because they're all so good. Um, I remember when you were on last time, you mentioned the last story in the book, um, which ended up being Wills by Tom Engelberger. And that story had me laughing so hard. <laughs> Um, so I just want to say that, that I really appreciated that story and whoever's idea that was, it was a plus. Uh, sorry. Can you repeat? I think I lost audio oh. for like there. I heard the last time you were on and then it like faded out. <laughs> the last time you were on, you mentioned the last story in the book, 
which was Wills by Tom Engelberger. And um, I laughed at that story really, really hard. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, the the uh, I mean, that was Tom's idea. Tom sent us, uh, <laughs> you know, we definitely wanted to include Tom because he's a great storyteller and he and he has such a, uh, a unique way of telling stories that we de- we knew we wanted him to participate in some way. Uh, and uh, when he sent back, he's like, I want to do a story from the point of view of the wills. <laughs> like, OK, we don't know what that means. We are very excited. Do it. <laughs> um, you know, um, and when he sent it in, we all immediately knew we were like, we found the last story of the book. We just as soon as we were like, this is the last story. Yeah. Um, for a hot second, we thought maybe this is the first story because it's the crawl. But um, tonally, we were like, if someone reads this as the first story, they might think the whole book is like this. And it's not because that story is just, you know, it is just such its own beast. And we thought, you know what, let's make it the last one, because in a way it so perfectly encapsulates everything about the sort of joy and fun that we were trying to inject and make this anthology about. And so as the sort of wrap up story, we were like, that's that that's it. That's the last story. Um, uh, but that was him. That was that was totally that was totally. Yeah, him. it was a good call because uh, we were very distraught after reading several of the stories. Yeah, and the, the back end of that book is really rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gets heavy. We tried to balance some of the emotional uh, carnage um, where we could <laughs> in terms of trying to balance a, a funnier story or a lighter story against those like where it made sense without, you know, you know, blowing up the timeline of the movie too much. But towards the end of the stories, you just there's no room to hide. Um, you know, you do get a little bit of relief with the uh, with the angle with the the Lando story because there's a little bit of levity there, but you don't get a whole lot. But yeah, it is the. The idea of also putting it at the end is a little bit of the hopefully everyone goes home happy sort of thing. Um, also, if you think tonally about like Gary Witta's story, which is the first story yeah. and this story, if this story, if you read Tom Engelberger's Will's story and then you have to read Gary Witta's yeah. story, I'm not really sure like emotionally <laughs> how you make that pivot and like how you deal with that. So it, it, it also just yeah. didn't work. Um, next to Gary's story, which was such a clear, this needs to be like the first story in the in the book yeah. um, for so many obvious and excellent reasons. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned before a bunch of uh, authors that were new to Star Wars, and I think that was one of our favorite things about the book was that it was authors we hadn't necessarily read before, you know, and kind of introducing us to new to new authors. Um, and one of them that, you know, we we know um, we know them and we've read their stuff is, is Kelly Studeconic and Matt Fraction. And um, but they're new to Star Wars writing. And um, I thought their their story was was great. And I I liked it because it was in a different um, it was written in third person omniscient which you don't really get a lot of in Star Wars or ever in Star Wars. Um, and you mentioned before Elizabeth Ween's story with second person. So I really love that we got to have like A, new authors, and then B, different styles of stories. You know, because it's not, you know, a whole novel of second person. Um, that would probably be really hard to read, but 
you know, just for a short story, it's really, it's really good to like get into different styles of writing. You know, I think we sold a dozen friends of ours on this book just on the strength of Kelly Sue. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction alone. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, theirs is also the longest story in here, um, which we, we, we didn't realize they were writing a story that long until they delivered it. And we we're like, wow, this is long, but that's great. And, mm-hmm. and it totally needed to be long. Um, and it served, it served, you know, it certainly served the story well to, to have that kind of depth to it. But yeah, the, the nice thing about the short story form is it gives you some more room to experiment. Uh, and also when you're doing 40 of these, you know, sure, you could have had all 40 of them just be third person limited and off we go and hooray, we're gonna have some fun. But if you're going to do 40 stories and you're going to bring in 40 voices, you should definitely, you know, make an effort. You would think it would, you know, it would, it, it only makes it better to try to get people who have a varied way of telling stories and a varied way of looking at the world and a very way of, you know, using styles and using, um, you know, uh, linguistic tools. Um, so that was definitely like a conscious decision on our part to get people who we thought would approach writing the stories from different ways. Um, we obviously didn't tell like Elizabeth Ween, write this in second person. She came up with that due to her own genius. Um, (laughs) yeah. I also really appreciated that um, Pablo Hidalgo was able to bring in Krennic <laughs> to A New Hope. Um, I, I love his story so much. And I what I also am excited by is I, I sometimes I, I think that Pablo doesn't get uh, enough credit sometimes for being a really good storyteller. I mm-hmm. think most people know him as like, oh, he's the guy who knows all the answers about all the Star Wars, which is true. Um, but he's also a really, really good storyteller and a smart storyteller. And he has really good storytelling instincts. And you can just see it from reading this story. Yeah. Um, I get to see it sometimes when, you know, with some of the comments and getting to work with him on the different books and things, but not everyone gets to see that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited that people get to, and he's obviously a good writer from all of the nonfiction books that he's been doing and, um, yeah, I was just you know, all say. those other guides, but this is just different. And so that I, I'm really happy that people get to see him as a like quote unquote true storyteller. Um, yeah. And the same with like the, like Kieran Gillen and Charles Sula, who are known, mo- who are known mostly for comics. And, and the diffractions are known mostly for comics to get to write prose stories and try something different. That was really neat. Yeah, I think um, in Kieran's case, he hadn't written prose in a long time, though he had written some prose. And Charles, I believe, was working on his first prose novel at the same time he was oh, doing cool. this story. But we beat his prose novel. So this is technically, <laughs> I believe, his first bit of prose. Nice. Um, that, that may actually be slightly wrong. But, nice. Um, yeah. Um, so neither of them had, at least in the recent term, been doing yeah. any prose. And it was also cool because there are, I, I know Elizabeth Ween, she has a novel coming out in December. So it was kind of like a preview of, um, you know, her her working in Star Wars. Same with Ken Liu. Um, and then I know at New York Comic Con, they, they sort of tease that um, Daniel Jose Older was doing something, but you know, they didn't say anything else about it. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool, like to see, oh, okay, well, here's a teaser of what the, these people are going to do in the future. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it was partially, it was because of her participation in this, that we wanted to sign Ray Carson up to do a Canabite story. Oh, cool. Um, you know, um, because we so enjoyed the, the, the story of, of not Skippy, uh, oh, or Skippy, was... but not Skippy. Um, <laughs> That that we were like that when we were putting together the author list for Canabite, um, I was like, 
we need to get Ray Carson on this because um, it's going to be great. That um, was such a sad. Like, it made me think of the dogs in the shelter and, like, just wanting to go home. Sarah McLaughlin yes. in the background. Yes. Poor. I really, I really want him to get a good home. I, I think he's going to be fine. I think he'll, <laughs> I think he'll find one. In my head, he gets, he gets found by, like, old man Kitster and... <laughs> Kitster just sets up a droid sanctuary, you know, like Someone Ahsoka's got her pony fiction. farm. Someone Ahsoka's please. got her pony farm and <laughs> Kitster's got his droid sanctuary. Uh, I love it. Uh, nice. That's in my head, that's where that went. So, Tom, we will not ask you to pick favorite stories because we know that's cruel. But mm-hmm. Brian, do you and I want to write and do our favorite stories? Which we have a lot of overlap on uh, ours. <laughs> I I really have a hard time just picking picking anything out from the back end and i might just say that whole back end of the book yeah the whole battle of yavin onwards is just so good jason fry's story was fantastic yeah Uh, pierce brown's was stunningly good yes that made me cry so hard (laughs) and uh oh who had uh who had uh, grounded Greg Rucka? Greg Rucka. Um, yeah. That was another just f- fantastic uh, yeah. story. Yeah, Tom, you you teased us because you you were like you wanted pilots. You did. You uh, <laughs> there there are there are tapes which said and tweets which say you wanted pilots. <laughs> yes, and we did, and we got them. <laughs> you got lots of pilots. Um, a lot not, of them died. Yeah, not a lot of them are left, but you did get to spend some time with a number of pilots. Yes, it was very sad. Um, yeah, I think I I listed like my five in our review, and it was hard just coming up with the five. But um, the time of death by Kevin Scott was, I think, my favorite of the book, and because it was totally not what I expected. Like from the the social card, I thought it was going to be funny. Um, and it was not, um, and it was just was such a great, expo- you were expecting record scratch. You're probably wondering yeah. how I got in this situation. Yeah, I was. And it was, it wasn't. And it was like everything I wanted from like Obi-Wan and like little Luke and the Larses. And I'm like, if, if, you know, if someone wanted to say like, what would you want from an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie? I would point to the story and be like, this is what I want. The scene in this book. That's what I want. Um, Jason's story was great because it was Wedge and Fake Wedge and uh, Pierce Brown's story because it was Biggs and Luke. Um, and I would love for Pierce Brown to write more Star Wars, just FYI. Um, well, and then Pierce I think Brown is a Del Rey author. So. He is. Um, and then Grounded, like Brian said. And I really loved um, Alexander Freed's story, um, oh the Mon Mothma one. That's that story. Um, that that story is just insane. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was reading it. and I'm like, oh, my God, how many alternate universe fanfics will this story spawn? You know, like, what if she had surrendered? What if what if this had happened? What if that had happened? He, uh, th- that story is just incredible. And I mean, like, even if you if you watch the last this last week's two episodes of Rebels, like, oh, yeah, if you read Alex's story and then you see anything with Mon Mothma, <sighs> it completely it doesn't like completely uh, adds a, another layer to that character. Yeah. Um, yeah. His, that 
that that story was ridiculous. Like I, this <laughs> yeah, is not a lot like of stories. I was reading tense. it in the office. Yeah, the, reading it in the office. I'm like, is he really doing this? Like, also, I'm like sad. I need to go home forever. Like, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just yeah. Alex Freed is a damn good writer. Yeah, um, I was I was really hoping that we would find out where Mon Mothma had gone, and I think you responded and were like, "Blue milk is delicious," and I was I like, "Yay!" <laughs> <laughs> milk is delicious. Yeah. And I have to mention that um the the Baru Lars story um just because she never gets any attention and it was really nice to have a story about her and um I really appreciated the mention that she couldn't have children. So I thank you all for that. Uh, uh, that you that is uh that is Meg Cabot's, you know, wonderful writing talents. Mm-hmm. I love the the like the level of just like low key anger that yeah. Blue has in that story. She's yeah. just like, "You are all the worst," and now I'm <laughs> dead. <laughs> no one ever appreciates me, but like, if this kid saves the galaxy, it's because of me. And it's because of me, not because any of you. And everyone can go to heck. That's like, <laughs> it's just, you know, I agree. It, it's really good. That's great. <laughs> uh, do you want to get to some Twitter questions, Brian? Twitter questions sound yeah. great. Okay. Um, so Doug had wanted to know um, for the audiobook, um, yep. who were the, how were the narrators chosen? Because there were several different narrators. Um, yep. So part of that, I mean, so that, you know, our, the, the audio team who is, technically a separate team from us though we you know we work with them all the time because they you know we record based off the manuscripts and we're always working with them and you know talking to them about this type of story it is and the characters and stuff so they can figure out what narrators go um but they had sort of settled on a similar idea that we had where you know we obviously wanted to use narrators like jonathan davis and mark thompson and January lavoy you know narrators who have been around and who have done a lot of the audiobooks and who fans love to hear from uh, and also with 40 stories and just need a lot of people um but they also wanted to try and get some different people um who uh were again maybe star wars fans maybe related to star wars in other ways maybe not really but you know were known to be interested in star wars and so that is where um people like neil patrick harris and john ham and obviously you know janina you know gavankar came from uh in trying to round out an audio cast that was a little bit special to match how special the book was. Um, and so that just came from the audio team kind of looking at the stories and the authors we had chosen, reading the stories and sort of trying to figure out like who would make sense. Uh, and so that's how they ended up uh, choosing them, though I don't have all the details. So I actually don't know exactly why, mm-hmm. you know, Neil Patrick Harris read the story he read or why Janina read, uh, I believe she reads Adam Christopher's story end of watch. Um, so I'm not sure of those particulars. Um, I do know that once they like, when they were like, Oh man, John Hamm should read the Boba Fett story. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure like that was a pretty laser focused choice about like, we should get John Hamm and he should read the Boba Fett story. Um, <laughs> the Boba Fett story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's very Boba Fett. <laughs> But buddy, the um the the Will's narration that was worth the price of the audiobook yeah. by itself. We we oh. actually got sent the audiobook for review, and we had already read the Will's story, 
Um, and I said, Brian, we need to get go to the end and listen to this on the audiobook. And it was it was great. There was even a record scratch on it. <laughs> <laughs> the record scratch is I called up Nick, uh, this guy Nick in, uh, is one of the producers down there and I believe he's the producer. I like he sent him an email or like called him up and I was like, dude, the record scratch. I cannot <laughs> believe there's an actual record scratch. It was great. Uh, yeah, it's great. I, you know, the, the audio team at some of the conventions, they sometimes do those live readings of like some of the, um, Shakespeare star Wars. They do like kind of a panel where they have a live reading. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to tell them like they need to get Jonathan Davis and Mark Thompson, to just like travel around to cons and read that story live because the be two good. of them together are amazing and they're <laughs> is that like just, were those the two narrators for that yeah, one so it's, yeah so it's jonathan davis um who um i i always think of him because he read the darth bane books uh, he ah. read so in my head no matter even though like i believe he read um rogue one and he, he's read you know he read a ton of these and he's done a ton more books in my head he's just always darth bane <laughs> um, and then mark thompson who is everything you know and everybody yeah. um he's whatever you need him to be like literally any second of the day uh, the two of them read as the two uh, Will's characters. That's um, good. Yeah. Um, so both um, Amy Wishman and Bookworms Pod had um, asked, and I know several other people had asked this as well on like Twitter and stuff, but is there any chance of getting another collection like this in the future? I mean, everybody, everybody, <laughs> it's funny. Basically, since we revealed what Operation Blue Milk really was, mm -hmm. everyone was just like, oh, cool. We need one of these for The Empire Strikes Back. And <laughs> oh, cool. We need one of these for Jedi and do all the movies and then also do Clone Wars and then also do like, you know, and from the beginning, we've said if people love this book, if, you know, people really take to this book, we would totally be up for doing another one. Does that mean it will definitely happen? I don't know. Can't see the future, you know. Yeah future movement yoda all that stuff but <laughs> I, I mean I, I i would personally totally be up for doing another one um we had so much fun and i you know can just already imagine in my head some ideas for characters and povs and things from empire that i would think would make a lot of awesome sense Brian, i've already um, pitched uh, john jackson miller doing a bren derlin story <laughs> Also, I can, maybe I just now want to do one so I can have a reason to have Tom Engelberger just write like a bunch more Wills trying to write the movie crawl yes. stories. <laughs> and oh, so speaking of that, Brian and I went to we went to see A New Hope in concert a few weeks ago. And it was like right around right after we had read this book. And um, when we were watching the, the opening crawl, I started giggling because that's all I could think of was the Will story. And like, especially the, the line about, you know, rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the Galactic Empire. And I'm thinking, is that all they get? What about K2S? <laughs> the best droid ever. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's so well put together. Actually, there we were, when we were at New York Comic Con, we had that big panel, um, and a bunch of the authors got to spend time together and were hanging out, and, and everyone basically telling everyone else how awesome their story was. Um, there was a joke going around because uh, Madeline Rue, who wrote the, um, oh. yes, the Alderaan story, which again, <laughs> everyone told us that's what they wanted. So 
<laughs> Please don't be too mad. You know, she got a tattoo that um, yeah. references a line from her story. And so all of the authors at the show were joking that they all now had to get tattoos <laughs> with a reference from their particular story. And we were joking that we that Tom Engelberger has to get the entire crawl, like a full back tattoo with editorial comments by the Wills, like just oh. on his back. Oh, my oh God. goodness. I, I don't think that's going to come to pass. And I would never actually force that upon him. But uh that 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 would that would be what he has to get if he if if they all you know fellowship of the ring style hold to that <laughs> so I'd all get tattoos. Yeah, the eclipse story was straight up rude, <laughs> but also good to get Breha because you can't ever get enough Breha. Um, and uh, another question, Book Wars Pod has. Yeah. So wait, sorry. So just oh, to go back go to it. So if people really love it, it's great. Like tell us you loved. It. I mean, yes. a lot of people have. But tell us you've loved it. Share the book with other people. Like. If you love it, tell us. Don't be quiet about it. Um, and I mean, like I said, I would be up for doing another one. Yes. Uh, I'm not trying to speak for. Because then we can get but. a Zevstaneska story. <laughs> oh, ouch. What? That one will hurt too. I mean, a lot of them will hurt from <laughs> Battle of Hoth. Um, so, and. Another question was, how do you recommend reading it straight through or uh, skipping around? Um, I so, know we skipped mm, around, but I know other yeah. people read straight through. So, I, I mean, I recommend that you read it however you want to read. If you are a massive, you know, um, fan of one of the authors and you're like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that, you know, uh, Nettie Okafor got to write a Star Wars story, you know, Totally. Just open the book and read the story you want to read, like read the authors you want to read, read the stories you're most excited about, read it however you like. I would say that if you end up enjoying it at some point, whether it's your first read or, or maybe down the road at some point, read it from front to back, read it in chronological order, because there are just some amazing ways the stories flow into each other because we're telling the movie. So we're following the chronology of the movie. And there is just some amazing uh, ways that to read you know, uh, uh, to read Kevin Scott's story and then it flow your flow right into Gary D. Schmidt's story. And then you flow very soon after into Ian Dozier's story of the emperor and just these beautiful, amazing little, in some ways unintended connections because these, these stories were, um, a lot of the authors wrote these stories kind of in a vacuum. Like Claudia Gray did not know that Kevin Scott was writing, the story he was writing and sh and uh, he did not know the story she was writing and Gary D. Schmidt didn't know about the story the two of them were writing. But those three stories form almost this almost this amazing trilogy. Um, if you read the, uh, you know, the Qui-Gon story and then just read the Obi-Wan story and then just read Gary D. Schmidt's story about Yoda, they form this amazing trilogy. And those authors had really no idea what the each of them are writing um so i would say at some point definitely read it cover to cover because you'll get it's a really great experience that way but totally read it the way you want to read it read the stories you're excited about read the scenes or the parts of the movie that you're most excited about um something that i did as a little experiment that some people might know um because i was talking about it on on the internet is i watched a new hope while reading the book um and so what i did was uh, I was watching A New Hope and in a couple of points, I paused the movie and read one of the stories and then I started the movie again. Um, and I didn't do that for every story. But, for example, like uh, Gary D. Schmidt's Yoda story, when we get to that break in the movie, I paused, stopped, 
read the Yoda story, started again. When we get to the scene where Luke runs off to go check on Owen and Beru, I stopped the movie. I read Claudia Gray's story and I started again. Um, so there were and then as the credits to the movie were rolling, I read the Wills story um, as the music, as John Williams is, you know, music is blaring and the credits are rolling and you're at that sort of emotional high at the end of the movie. I read the Wills story and I basically wanted to go back and go back to the beginning of the movie and start it all over again. Um, so I would also suggest if you have the kind of time, cause it did take a little while cause you're stopping and starting a movie. It's like a little m- mechanically weird. Um, if you do have the time, I would try that out too. Cause it's kind of this fun, weird experience. Cool. But yeah, read it, read it, how read it, how you want. I, I don't want to tell people that they have to read it in one particular mm-hmm. way. Um, Lindsay wanted to know if you, what sort of feedback you've gotten, like if any stories have gotten a lot of attention or just, uh, in general, what the feedback for the project was. I mean, it's been great. We had, a you know, the panel that we had at New York comic con where we had like 19 of the authors there was, you know, a sold out crazy panel full of people. And we were mobbed at the booth all weekend for people to, um, get the, uh, the edition we had done for New York comic con, but also just to come get the regular book and to come talk to us about it and try to get it signed by people. Um, I, I, I pity some of the poor authors who had taken <laughs> refuge in the back of the booth to hang out and just get some relaxation, like get off the floor. We'd be sitting there for a couple hours and someone would come up and buy the book and they would say, um, the authors, I mean, would be like, oh, I got to sign that. And so, uh, some, uh, poor authors like Jason Fry, who sat in our booth for like three or four hours, just hanging out and talking, ended up signing like hundreds of books just cause they were just sitting there <laughs> and they were like, I can't, I can't let that person walk away without a signature. Um, but the, I mean, the response has been great. One of the fun things, um, it, whenever we have a new book is all of us kind of, we read reviews and we listen to podcasts and we kind of share in the office, the different reviews and things that we find the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny, the crazy, whatever. Um, and with this, as we're sending reviews around, we're finding like people are writing these glowing reviews, talking about a couple of stories that totally resonated with them. And then we read another review that is really great. And they're talking about completely different stories. And there's other people talking about still other different stories. And so what we're finding is that so many people are gravitating to this book, but so many of them are just everyone's glomming on to a different story. Everyone has a, a favorite and almost every one of these stories I think I've heard or read or seen somewhere someone say, that's my favorite story in the book or that's the best story in this book. Um, so it's not just one or two stories, um, which is really awesome because, I mean, it's there's 40 stories. So hopefully there is something and a voice and an author that appeals to everyone. But the response has been really good. And I mean, we're, we've been really excited by it, um, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Um, <laughs> uh, it's sort of one of those things where like, ah, oh, that's great. On to the next thing. On to the next 40 things. Like, keep, yeah. keep going. Um, but that's great. Keep going. But that's great. Uh, I but, think that's one uh, of the great things about the book is that there are so many different stories that even if there's some that you don't really connect with, then there's others that you just fall in love with. Um, you know, and for some people, there are novels that they just are kind of, you know, don't really do anything for them. But that you know this is it's nice because there's so many different stories that you you can't even, you can't say i didn't like this book because there's going to be stories in there that you love no matter what your interests in star wars are like whether you like you know creatures or pilots or jedi you know there's something here for everyone so 
And uh, finally, Heath wants to know, first of all, how dare you? <laughs> um, well, we should just tell Heath he should direct those complaints directly to the authors. That's um, I believe that's a question for the authors. That's not really a question for me. So he should direct that at Alex Freed and Madeline Rue. And don't actually do this. Those are wonderful people. They don't, they don't need your grief. But um, no. it, it, he should direct them the, his, his complaints. Do it, do it in an uh, anonymous Goodreads review, whatever. That was yeah, my reaction I mean, after. Heath, Heath can create some more um, fake. Uh, uh, <laughs> he can create some more Photoshop character cards um, and and voice his concerns and his griefs. That which I should point out, there was a moment where there were actually more fake cards than real cards out on the internet, and it created <laughs> oh a bit of a problem for us. Um, Way to because, go, Heath. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I mean, honestly, we loved every single one of those fake cards. Yeah. Um, they got passed around the office quite a bit. Um, but no, there was like that good. first day at the end of the day, there were probably like, I think, 14 or 15 real cards. And there was like almost 20 or 25 fake ones um, <laughs> scrolling around on the Internet. And there were a few websites that might have gotten confused and posted one or two cards that were not real. Um, nice. um, just glancing over the table of contents again for a. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, of story pitch, have Mallory Ortberg write another HR report by Admiral Ozel. <laughs> I mean, eventually we'll just get to the point where instead of the stories being the HR report, it's going to be a story about the person in HR who has to go tell Vader <laughs> that he's got this pile of complaints against him. You know. Oh, my God. Yes. Eventually you will just get there where it's like, look, we've got 500 of these things. Like, we have to tell him. Uh, <laughs> you can't choke everyone who makes you angry. You need to you need to put it on their evaluation. <laughs> well, that if 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 there were another one of these, that is, I think, the challenge, um, whether, you know, of, of how you put together another roster of, of great authors. And it's yeah. a great challenge and a great problem to have. Um, of, uh, uh, but, yeah, it's a it's a fun challenge. If, if we get to do it, that'll that'll certainly be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that oh. was, was all right. Brian, any other things you want to ask? Oh, this. I should point out the audiobook technically has one fewer story in it. So if you get oh, the audio, yes. you don't get Jeffrey <laughs> Brown's story because it's a like a one page comic and we just wasn't really a good way to make that into an audiobook. That's so. another good really like that's another good palate cleanser for all of the the horror and trauma. <laughs> like a cute, oh, yeah, a cute little like cartoon. Cute cute like little rascals almost yes. cartoon with the cardboard box and the <laughs> rebels with the s spelled backwards yes. delightful um yeah. really delightful yep. um, and if actually if you go on starwars.com there was a an article just around time of release where we actually released um some of jeffrey brown's like he did a bunch of yeah. sketches before we picked a final one and so there's a um, an article on there where he sort of shows the four or five sketches he pitched and explains what each one would have been and kind of like how we figured out which one we wanted to end up using. Yeah. Um, so if you want to see some like outtakes, um, you can check those out. And there was another there was also an interview, I think, with um, Elizabeth Schaefer about the the book. Yes. Right? Our awesome, awesome editor who willed this thing into existence. Um you think editing a single novel is challenging and difficult. It can be, and it is editing 40 different stories from 43 different authors with 40 different POVs and 
characters and this whole thing all doing it kind of simultaneously. That is a Herculean effort um, that I had the pleasure of watching her uh, take on. Um, so, yeah, definitely go go check out that interview that she she gave because uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Now I got to figure out what we would what, what, what do you even call the second book? Oh, um, Operation Tauntaun, maybe. Oh, it's still Operation Blue Milk. And it's oh, Operation okay. Blue Milk Strikes Back is obviously oh. the hashtag. <laughs> Gotta uh, be some Yoda quote, right? Maybe. I don't know. Um, Always two there are? <laughs> no. Brian says no. <laughs> no, because that means that you can't do a third. I mean, you could do a third, uh, then it becomes true. there is another, but now you've sort of broken your own rule. It's weird. I don't know. <laughs> also... We appreciate the emails and the um, the social media comments. We are all well aware that from a certain point of view is not a quote from <laughs> New Hope. We are all <laughs> um, Or maybe it was and it just wasn't in the movie. Yeah. From the first meeting, we were like, that's not from a New Hope. And we were just like, we know. And then we were like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. It we'll, works. We're like, whatever. We'll deal with it. <laughs> um, wow. But we know. So but we appreciate the diligence. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting about the book. You're welcome. I'm glad that uh, everyone enjoyed it. I'm sorry for the level of emotional <laughs> distress that, you know, we did not expect so you... many of the stories to be sad. I don't know if you are. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people who die in this movie. There is. <laughs> Most really, of the background people that you're writing stories about die. Yeah. I mean, really, if there's anything we shed light on with this is that there's just a lot more death in that movie than they show us and they um, explain. Um, I just had a thought, actually. There is now one story that I kind of do wish someone really had done. The story from the point of view of the two dudes who have to stand next to the Death Star laser oh, just yeah. without <laughs> armor or a railing, as Family Guy would tell us, or any shielding at all. They just got to stand there and duck when the Death Star laser fires. Just that giant OSHA violation. <laughs> I want to know what they did to Darth Vader that, A, didn't get them killed, but was also still bad enough to probably get them that detail. <laughs> oh no i'm sad we or maybe didn't what they one. did to krennic maybe that's actually a krennic thing because like you know he's like the engineer kind of helping yeah. build and you know, maybe he punished someone and was like you have to go stand on that railing <laughs> deploy <Hey>. the garrison <laughs> <laughs> well we will go ahead and wrap up there thanks again tom uh, where can folks find you online uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Darth Internus, D-A-R-T-H-I-N-T-E-R-N-O-U-S. Fantastic. All right. This episode of Tashi Station Radio has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers, uh, patreon.com slash Tashi Station. Again, the $1 level gets you into the Patreon-exclusive Slack team. Just help us keep, keep the lights on here. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us with the handles uh, Tashi underscore Station. That's the official show account. You can find Nancy with Nancy Pants. That's Nancy with an I. You can find me with Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E, -E -E, on Facebook, we're the Tashi Station Network. Uh, we're available on the iTunes Store, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, do leave a review. It helps us grow the show. Uh, you can find our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Thanks for listening to another episode. We will catch you all next time. Bye. Bye-bye.
This podcast has been brought to you by Majestic Draft Productions and is the official podcast of TashiStation.net. All Star Wars names, music, and logos are property of their respective trademark and copyright holders. Tashi Station Radio is not endorsed by Lucasfilm or any division of the company. Now go pick up some power converters. Thank you.